0: Well, welcome, everybody, to Encounter Church, where you matter to us, you matter to God. My name is Dirk. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church. And this morning, I actually have the privilege of worshiping with one of our partner churches in northern New Jersey. We have a saying around here that we do life together, that none of us can do life together alone. We can't even do ministry alone. So I get to worship with them, invest in them, pour into them. Uh, we all need the, the help along the way. and This is a great partnership that we can join together. Plus, because of uh, technology, we can kind of close the gap between the states. And I can be with you here this morning, continuing on this hugely important series called Summer Playlist. We kicked it off last week. And remember, we have a decidedly Kind of road trip vibe through it all when we're asking everybody to remember the the journey that you're on, and this is the songs or the psalms in the Bible for that journey. It's the playlist for the journey that God has you on. So last week we asked that question: What's the journey that God has you on? Uh, maybe it's a journey of a job thing. Maybe finding a job for the very first time, graduating, heading out into the big scary real world. And, and worrying about whether you're going to find your place in it all. Or maybe you've been doing it for a little while and now this is, a, this is a season where God might be bringing you out of something, into something new. And you're wondering if this is like the right thing for me. If it's a relational thing or a financial thing. There's all these different kinds of journeys that God has us on. It's just helpful throughout this series to think about what journey, what adventure God has you on. Now this morning what we're doing is taking it a step further. And taking a look now on the journey in in kind of the rear view and looking not ahead but behind us and seeing what were some of the bumps along the road? What were some of the setbacks? This morning I want to ask, what were the near misses? This isn't the, the accidents that happened along the way. This is the accidents that didn't happen along the way. Not the collisions that you got into in life, but the collisions that almost happened to you in life. Uh, Near miss, it's actually an aviation term I'm told. Uh, Last summer, so this is June 2017, there was actually two passenger jets that were both landing on the same airport around the same time, and uh, and one of them, the uh, uh, Emirates uh, Airbus, actually misstated his altitude, and so the air traffic controller instructed him to descend to a certain elevation uh, altitude which put him on a direct flight path toward the other passenger jet. We're talking about hundreds of lives at stake here. And they didn't realize what they what had happened until the very last possible second when they initiate these emergency procedures, when they both kind of bank right. And these two jets, if you can believe it, they came within like three miles of each other at the same time altitude. The passengers in one jet said that they could look out of their windows and see the faces of the passengers in the other jet. That's not a collision story. That's a collision story that didn't happen. That's not an accident. That's an accident that didn't happen. That's what we call this morning a near miss. And it's so important to to think about what some of those near misses are on the journey that God has brought you on. Maybe the near miss that you're kind of thinking of is when you're coming home from work on 131 and you're not totally 100% paying attention. Of course, you're not texting because nobody, no good Christian would text and drive. I get that. But you're driving down 131, not 131, Completely paying attention, and all of a sudden, brake lights like a whole lineup in front of them. And you realize that at the last possible second, locking up your brakes, screeching to a halt. If you've got kids in the backseat, they're crying, they're screaming, they're yelling, all this sort of stuff. And you stop within like inches of the car in front of you. Thank God the car behind you was paying closer attention than you were, stopped in plenty of time so you didn't get cream from the one behind. That's a near miss. It's not a life-defining moment. It's the life-defining moment that almost happened. What we're going to do this morning is open up the Bible and we're going to hear about a couple of the near misses that these ancient Israelites sing about. And the reason why I think it's so important for us to recall these near misses is There's something about the remembrance of the almost stories, remembering the near misses, that dictate or decide our posture towards God in the present. It's so important to consider to remember these near misses in the past because they dictate the posture we have towards God in the present and even future. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Um, We're going to go to Psalm 124. It's an easy one to find if you'd like to to pull out the uh, Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. The words are also going to be on the screen as well. But uh, we're going to go to Psalm 124. You just kind of open your Bible in the middle. Chances are it's going to fall right in the book of Psalms And you can check it out that way. Okay, Psalm 124. Let me read the first uh, two verses. First of all, remember it says a song of ascents of David this time. I think that's going to be important. Verse 1 says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, verse 2, If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us. Now, uh, it sounds like, uh, I'm sorry, Dirk, did you... Like, mean to repeat yourself, like you accidentally copied and pasted a couple times. Is this like a glitch in the matrix or something? No, no, no. Uh, What's happening here isn't that some copier in Psalm 124, like, accidentally wrote the same thing twice. I think that what's going on is this was a song that was meant to be sung in community, with a whole bunch of other people, with their entire family members, extended family even, with their whole towns and villages traveling up to Jerusalem on a seasonal basis. Remember Jerusalem, the elevation, you didn't go over to Jerusalem, you always went up to Jerusalem. So these are all songs of ascent. Now what would happen is that on the journey, maybe in a, in a quiet moment when everybody's kind of shuffling along, somebody would call out or most likely probably sing out, but I will spare you from that. You are welcome. Somebody would start singing out this first line, and they'd say, if the Lord had not been on our side, let everybody say, if the Lord had, and they would all like chime in, if the Lord had not been on our sides when people attacked us. Does it seem like he's kind of got something specific? In his mind that he wants the people to remember. Let me just read you, uh, read, read for you the rest of the psalm. It's eight verses long, it's just six more verses. If the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. And then he goes another image. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped, third image here. We've escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare that has been broken. And we have escaped. And then this wrap-up line at verse 8. Our help... (laughs) Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, if you're like paying close attention through the reading of that short song of Ascent, you might be able to pick up on these like three images. You remember kind of some of what they are. Um, If the Lord had not been on our side, stated twice, when the people attacked us, when the floodwaters engulfed us, and when we're trapped in the fowler's snare, we're, we're stuck in the, in the bird trap. If the Lord had not been on our side, everything would be different. And the, the songwriter here, probably David, is, is conjuring up these images, not of, not of the disaster, but of the disaster that didn't happen. Because God like, showed up in those moments. Now, it kind of sounds maybe to some of us like he's thinking of specific events in their national identity in the past. And I think that's exactly what's going on. Uh, Commentators, scholars about this passage are almost in uh, complete agreement that that first line, if the Lord hadn't been on our side when the people attacked us, He's not talking about just any people that attack any time. He's like got this specific story in mind. He's going, that was all the difference. That's when God showed up like no other time in my life. Most scholars agree that he's referencing a story told in 2 Samuel chapter 5, if you want to take a look at it um, at home later on or talk about it on the car ride on the way home. 2 Samuel 5 is this story. Of when these people show up, like like almost out of nowhere. At first, they just called them the Sea People. They didn't really have a place where they came from necessarily. We don't get a lot of background. They just kind of came out of the sea, out of the Mediterranean Sea, and they showed up. And almost immediately after they landed on the banks of Israel, on that Mediterranean Sea, they start fighting, uh, skirmishing with some of the townspeople, the villages, uh, people hanging out on the beaches of those times with those Israelites. Pretty soon, the sea people and the Israelites, the battles and skirmishes escalate into this like all out, no holds barred, nation to nation, just, just war. And we find out the sea peoples go by another name they are the Philistines. And they're tough. And they're bad. And they're brutal. And they win a lot. As the Philistines are battling, not David, it's the king before him. The first king that Israel had, his name was Saul. This is a guy that looked like a king. He was tall. He was strong. He was a fighter. He just like looked at a guy and said, that's our king. It's obvious. Saul would fight with these Philistines almost constantly and almost constantly he would lose. It was a victory after victory for the Philistines. They drove all the way from the sea. And when we pick up the story in 2 Samuel 5, they're like knocking on the door of the capital city of Jerusalem to make matters infinitely worse. It was just north of that capital city where the last battle had broken out. Not only did Israel lose, but their king, Saul, died in battle. And not only did the king Saul die in battle, his two sons we also killed in battle. This was the royal line, uh, wiped out, gone. It wasn't just a setback or a military defeat. I mean, it's the collapse of a nation. They don't know who's in charge. They don't know what's going to happen next. They're just sitting in Jerusalem, like, like waiting for the time that the Philistines are going to come and start to attack them. David sets on the scene and says, I've received this anointing by the prophet several years ago, decades ago, and I'm ready to, to take over as king. The uh, Authors of the Bible go out of their way several occasions in saying, this is a guy, he did not look like a king. <laughs> he was small, he was the youngest, he was, he was the littlest, they just, he didn't have the king look. He sits on stage and he goes, I'm going to take over. And he did. That first battle against the Philistines, he won. And that created this momentum behind it. So another battle he won, another battle he won. And, And he had so much momentum by this point. Everybody, the whole nation, rallied around him to fight the Philistines and drove them all the way back, almost back into the sea from whence they came historians and and biblical scholars alike, and they look back on that moment, that first victory, and and they call it almost like a a D-Day kind of experience. Or they say that was the moment that the Philistine fate was sealed and also Israel's fate was sealed as the victors. That was the moment that whatever unity the nation experienced, it was earned by David in that moment. And David is going, no, 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 no. Get something straight. In our psalm here today, get something straight. It's not, it's a good thing had not David been on our side. No, it's not me. He goes, if the Lord had not been on our side. Listen, everything would be different. Everything would be, I don't know where we'd be. Or worse, I do know where we would be. And it terrifies me the Lord hadn't been on our side. There was, there was a movie that came out last year, 2017, uh, named Dunkirk. Has anybody seen that movie? Just wherever you, just raise your hands up. I know it's a video, but I'll get a report on Monday, so make sure to put your hands up. Has anyone seen this movie, Dunkirk? Um, the movie takes place, at first, it won like Three Academy Awards. It was nominated for eight. It's, it's a fantastic movie. The movie Dunkirk, it tells the story of uh, an allied army. And it's not just an allied army, I should say. It's like the entire allied army in May of 1940. And they're gathered on this beach in Dunkirk, France. And the uh, the German army, two massive and mechanized uh, German armies are, are now like flanking them on either side, closing in on them. And this massive, like, like the entire Allied army is waiting on the beach to get picked up, uh, to get evacuated out of that area. They can look across the English Channel. It is 20.7 miles across the channel. Like, they can see it on a clear day, see England, see safety. But they're waiting here and nobody's coming to pick them up. The Navy ships uh, can't get through, and even if they could, the Germans had bombed the ports, and and so even if the ships could get there in time to pick them up, they couldn't get close enough to the beach for the, the people to get on board. The ports were bombed out and destroyed. You know they can hear that the Germans coming in. That the planes flying over bed, overhead bombing, the soldiers bombing the ships, bombing the ports. They thought they were done. Back in London, they also thought they were done. There were people, in London, politicians, already discussing, debating, considering a conditional surrender to Hitler in the german army this is a this is a story of world war Two ending before it ever even began almost you see for some reason and, and nobody can really like figure out why but but this halt order came in and, and the german army just for whatever reason, they just stopped advancing. They stopped the attack for like three days. Just long enough for the Royal Navy to show up. But they still couldn't get the soldiers from the beaches onto the ships. But what they didn't plan, or what nobody else planned on, is thousands of these like little fishing vessels, these sailboats, uh, coming across that English Channel from England to Dunkirk, France. This is coming across, picking up like a few soldiers at a time. They're were, they were standing lined up in like shoulder deep freezing water and like ferrying them out to these larger naval vessels that were heading out in the deep water. And they were just ferrying these soldiers a few at a time. 338,250 soldiers were saved that day. Listen, this isn't the entire collapse of the Western world as we know it. This is the entire collapse of the Western world almost as we know it. That is the near miss. And this is the kind of thing that David in 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 the psalm here is like bringing up and saying, you've got no idea how close we actually were. Uh, First one, if you're paying attention, was about when the people attacked us. The second one is about this floodwaters that engulfed us. Uh, Some of you might be like, wait a second, I I thought we were like in the Middle East. We're in the desert here. Uh, What's going on with with a flood in the desert? Did they have like a hurricane or a flood or something? No, not necessarily like a hurricane. Uh, What they were probably walking with along... Uh, It was some freshwater uh, rivers cutting these wide canyons down from the mountain where Jerusalem was. And they're walking along this water source. And what would rarely but, but sometimes happen is that a storm would break out. It didn't have to be over them. It could be miles and miles upstream. And they never even saw it coming, but a storm, uh, rainstorm would begin and just pour down water just briefly. But because of the dry desert, arid conditions, these sediment and dams would build up and hold this river back until it got a lot more water from the rain above. And it would break these dams and that entire canyon, like they just turn a quarter in this wall of water down this canyon would come and, and just engulf everything, swallow up everything, take everything along with it. We're talking sheep and donkeys and tents and camels and kids. Everything you knew and loved in this world. And they would, and they would sweep it all the way down the river. It was gone in a matter of seconds. When, when David is teaching them this song, I can't help but like wonder... If he's thinking of somebody, not that he lost, but somebody he almost lost, of a near-miss along the way. I think that David's got this other motive of like getting the people, not just in his generation, but in future generations, all the way to us, to start looking back in our collective identity and see these times, these seasons when it's like it's like we're almost swept up and gone for the Israelites. I think one image that could come to mind is the story told in the book of Judges when the nation Israel long before David, long before Saul. And Israel was, uh, was under oppression and the nation of Midian. Midian had just recently uh, discovered or invented uh, or domesticated rather camels and horses. And so it made them very, very quick. They could come out of nowhere and they did. In the book of Judges, the beginning of the book of Judges, Midian would come during harvest time and they'd, come and they'd just take everything. The authors here would describe the event of like looking over the hill and seeing this dark cloud. They described it as like locusts just coming down from the mountains, coming down from the hills and just sweeping through and taking, devouring everything like a flood that just swept it all away. This didn't happen once or twice. This happened seven times, seven years in a row. And every time it weakened them just this much, just this much, just this much. And when we're at the very bottom, we didn't think there was any hope. Enter a judge named Gideon. Gideon is found threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. He's hiding underground because that's what kind of guy he is. And very ironically, God sends the angel to him and says, Hail, mighty warrior. You know, and he, he saved the people. He defeated the Midianites. But when they look back, they don't go, if Gideon had not been with us that day. No, nobody says that. They looked back and they said, If the Lord had not been with us that day, it would be all over. Collapse. But it wasn't a collapse. It was a near collapse. It wasn't a collision. It wasn't an accident. It was a near collision. It was a near accident. And that is so important. The last one on the list is about this. There's a Fowler's snare. And I just want you to hear, this isn't like, boy, you know, uh, we almost got caught. We almost got busted. We, we, we almost were, were stuck ensnared. It's not that. It's not an almost stuck or caught. No, we were in the trap. We thought we were done. We were basically cooked at that point. But by some miracle, like that Fowler's snap trap broke open. And we could like fly out of and We got free. And I have no idea. It's this miracle of God that we could escape out of that. I just wonder if David isn't just like drilling into their minds again and again. He goes, you are stuck. You are trapped. On one hand, he's looking back and he's going, you are stuck in Egypt in slavery. You were not hoping for an escape that was done. You thought you were cooked, And then by the miracle of God, he brought you up out of that and gave you this freedom, gave you this land, gave you this people, this nation, Israel. On the other hand, I think that David is like writing to to you and I today. And he's writing to us and he's going, you were stuck. You were ensnared. You were trapped. It wasn't like your sin almost caught up to you. It was like, no, no, it had. And I was imprisoned by it, enslaved to it. And then by some miracle of God and Jesus on the cross, like he, he brought you and I up out of it. It wasn't a story of absolute and utter collapse. It was a story of the absolute and utter collapse that almost happened, but didn't, because the Lord was on our side. Here's the thing. Why why would David be so insistent that the people remember the, those near misses in their past. Why would he insist on like reciting these psalms, remembering these, these near tragedies on their way to Jerusalem, year in, year out, season in, season out? I think that somehow remembering the faithfulness of God in the past almost like has a way of fortifying our faithfulness in the present and even in the future. I I just say that again. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past has this way of fortifying, of strengthening, of encouraging our faithfulness in the present and in the future. I think David wants them to remember when God showed up in the past because he wants God. He wants the people to trust God in the present and in the future. If we're, if we're to say this for us today, I think if we're going to take this psalm and just like lie down now in front of us today. I think we'd say something like this. I think I would encourage all of you to pray this today and this week. God, since you are faithful in the past, I'll choose trust today. Since God... Was faithful then and there. I'll choose trust here and now. Choose trust here and now. Church, I, I got to ask when has God been faithful in the past? Or, or maybe sh- say it a different way. What has God saved you from? What is God saving you from? You know, I don't know everybody's story in the room, but, but listen, I know a lot of them. And I know a lot of you have found your way to encounter from another place, and your church experience, and maybe it's when you're a kid, maybe it's last month or week, but your church experience was just really good and rich and, and fulfilling, and, and you found God there, and it was so perfect right up until the point that it wasn't. And when it went bad, it went really bad. I'm, I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about judgmentalism. I'm talking about all of this, this nasty stuff that just like comes out of the woodwork, stuff that you had no idea people even knew. And it just came out and it's like this toxic venom that just spilled all on you. And it just like in this act of self-preservation, you just like closed off your heart to the things of God and you wanted nothing more to do with it. And there's maybe a season for some of you, of life that you thought, maybe maybe I'm just going to be bitter and jaded towards God. And maybe that's just where I am. And then by some miracle. Like God broke open that trap that you're stuck in. And you found this place. And you found this, this relationship. Rediscovered this relationship with Jesus and God. And you thought, like I had no idea this could be so... Freeing, like, like just fresh air, like blowing out. All of the, the, the festering stink that I was trapping in my heart. It just where I am now. And looking back. Man. You know, God, since you were faithful then and there, I will choose trust here and now. And I just want you to pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Um, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a financial thing. God saved you from something. you were sitting in the office, uh, ready to sign the paperwork. You knew what the deal was all about. You asked friends, you asked family, you asked everybody around you. And, and they told you this is a good deal, this is the time to buy. But for some reason, when you prayed about it, God said no. And, and for some reason, like, you listened, and you got up, and you walked away. And then 2008 happened, 2009, financial crisis hits. You lost a job, your wife lost a job, you're totally mobile, moving around, looking for work, and you're looking back and you're going, I had no idea then. But had the Lord not been on our side, we'd have been, we'd have been crushed, crushed under it. That God showed up since he was faithful then and there. Whatever the new challenge is, I will choose trust here and now. This is going to be so hard, I think, for, for some of you to hear. But I think of those conversations that somebody comes up to you and says like, hey, can, can we talk about something? Listen, no conversation, no good conversation starts off with a sentence, hey, can we talk about something? Nobody like, hey, can we talk about Chick-fil-A for lunch this afternoon? Like, that's that's not a thing. They don't, they don't say it like that. When they do that and they shut the door, like, you know, these these are going to be hard words. Can we talk about the attitude for just a minute? Can we talk about the behavior that I'm seeing for just a minute? I I just, I want you to see what I see. I want you to see how it's affecting you. I want you to see how it's affecting your future. I want you to see how it's affecting like the people around you. And those words are so incredibly hard to hear at the time. But then with the perspective of years, you're looking back and going, that was the time, that was the conversation that God showed up. That was the time that God, like, saved me from me. He did it. And, 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 you know, since he was faithful then and there, I will choose trust here and now. Thank you, Jesus. Could I ask ask everybody to just stand up uh, where you are? Stand up, and we're going to pray that prayer together. It's a simple prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Stand up and just repeat it after me. So you say it with me or no. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us from ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us from our sin, saving us from our decision-making, saving us from the relationships, saving us from the opportunities we should not have taken. God, thank you for saving us again and again and again. Thank Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.